This episode is sponsored by Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management, experienced wealth planners and investment managers who offer unwavering support in challenging times. Visit CanDoWealth.com for more information. Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots, the Spectator's daily politics podcast. I'm Katie Balls and I'm joined by James Forsyth and Fraser Nelson and we have a new leader of the Tory party. Votes given to each candidate was as follows. Rishi Sunak, 60,399. Liz Truss, 81,326. Therefore, I give notice that Liz Truss is elected as the leader of the Conservative and Unionist Party. Fraser, what's your initial reaction? Rishi Sunak got a bigger share of the votes than we expected. Ever since we've been discussing this race, it's always in terms of list trust being absolutely ahead, uh, that being like 80-20. I was talking to a delegate this morning who was saying there are some places in the north of England where not a single person in the hall was in favour of Rishi Sunak. So to come as close as he did is interesting. Her 57% stands in contrast to the 66% that Boris Johnson won in the same leadership contest. And even that wasn't a particularly resounding figure. So this is, of course, it's a decisive result. How can it not be? But it's not a landslide. This shows that even the membership are actually more divided than this than people might think. Now, swing to the... um, Conservative Party itself, as you did, Katie, in a column a couple of weeks ago. And you have the fact that very few Tory MPs, only a minority of them even now, have come out for Liz Truss. So we can see the conditions set for a rather difficult relationship with the party, the party members. And I'm not quite sure. I was in the hall watching Rishi Sunak very carefully as he left right now. He left very quickly. And, you know, it's always silly to try to work out what you can read from the expression in their face there. But I fancied I saw the expression of somebody who thought that this isn't quite over. James, what do you think? I, I think I think trying to read people's faces is it, is it is it was it phrenology was it when the Victorians attempted? Some people can make the money by reading people's faces, oh, okay. knowing how the cards are by the way they hold their eyes. <laughs> what song is that from? I start by saying Liz Truss is going to lead the Tory party into the next general election. I think it is very difficult to imagine that you, the Tory party could possibly change leader between now and then. I mean, that is that is a kind of... The Conservative Party is already on its fourth Prime Minister in six years. Is my maths correct on that? So, yeah. So I think the idea of changing again for the next election is, is for the birds. I'm actually... I think the most interesting question now is what is she going to do as Prime Minister? Now, I mean, it's absolutely fascinating that her team are kind of openly floating this idea of freezing energy prices for at least some households. And I think it's striking for three reasons. The first is, this is not an ideological response to crisis. You know, during this leadership contest, Liz Truss has run, in some ways, a very ideological campaign. I think it's striking that this is a very pragmatic approach. It's lifting, essentially, at least in some parts, a Labour idea. That, that, I think, is interesting. Secondly, it shows that they are prepared to spend serious money to get through this winter. The amount of sums, the amount of cash being talked about is kind of roughly equivalent to what was spent on the furlough scheme. So, I mean, that, that is the second point. The third is, I mean, there is a consequence. You know, Liz Truss is very determined to enact her tax cuts. Uh, you saw that, I think, the way that she defended them on the BBC yesterday. And, you know, in a way that, you know, no Tory leader has in a, in a very long time. And, you know, her supporters will say that is refreshing. But I think one of the consequences of that, if you are going to cut, uh, if you are going to do, do this national insurance cut, which so benefits higher earners, and you're going to do the corporate, it cancel corporation tax rise, which again benefits larger, more profitable businesses, then I think that one of the consequences of that is it becomes harder to maintain 
fiscal discipline elsewhere. But I think, I think the fascinating thing now... But, just, but what about party discipline? I mean, what's, seeing that, you must, you must have thought, as I did, that Rishi got more of a... Than, I don't know, did, did he get better than you expected? I have always thought that the result was going to be slightly closer than the polls had it. I think the YouGov poll had Rishi Sunak so low in some parts of the country where when you spoke to MPs, whether they were supporting Liz Truss or Rishi Sunak, they didn't feel that that reflected what they felt on the ground. And I think if you watch that last hustings at Wembley, it was clear that there was at least a, 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 a large section of a London membership that were particularly inclined towards him. So the numbers in this don't hugely shock me, right? But I think the, kind of the, the question more is, what will guide how, how her relationship is with the party, frankly, is what her relationship with the country is like. If she has a polling bounce, and if the measures... And this is, I think, the opportunity for her, right? She is relatively unknown for someone who becomes Prime Minister from a great office of state. If... The public, and because of the, the, num- the sheer number of crises heading towards the country, people will be looking to her to see what she does. And if what she does is popular, resonates with people, and the Tories go up in the polls, she'll find party management much more easy. If the opposite happens, it will be much more difficult. So I think that in some ways, the, you know, Tor- Tory MPs are ultimately, at this point, what they are most concerned about is their prospects in a general election. And so that will determine their, their attitude towards her, I would suggest. Fraser, let's break down now what we can expect in the coming days when it comes to the new Tory leader. So she is not yet Prime Minister. That will happen tomorrow. She flies to Balmoral, as does Boris Johnson. Yes, separate helicopters, mm-hmm. we understand. For security reasons, um, apparently. Not because the relationship it's already broken down and then we would expect a speech tomorrow not today now we got a few hints when she was speaking on the stage just now in the center um she obviously described Boris Johnson as her friend she talked a bit about the NHS was there anything that struck you was it pretty run-of-the-mill there was a dig at Boris I think when she had this to say I campaigned as a conservative and I will govern as a conservative Now, of course, why would you say that? I mean, it might be reference to Tony Blair saying that we campaigned as New Labour and will govern as New Labour. But I think it's more of a reference to Boris Johnson, who many would argue, probably including her, did not govern as a Conservative, who ran for office as a Conservative, but when he went in there, he increased taxes, increased spending. His answer to every single given problem seemed to be to spend more or to borrow more. So I think... If a, when you're trying to read meaning into these statements, the meaning I would read into that one is that um, she knows that there's going to be several challenges ahead and she intends to to stay true to her conservative colours and her anchor is going to hold in the storm. That's what she's trying to say. Now, I would like to believe her, but um, of course, she's never really been blown about by a political storm. I mean, the departments she's ran have been relatively easy ones to stay hold of your principles because they're never properly put to the test. When Rishi Sunak was there, he's been talking about low taxes all his political life. He gets into number 10 when he finds out that, um, so in number 11, when he finds out that the Prime Minister wants to spend loads of money and to stop the spending, he has to increase taxes. So he has to do something the opposite to what he's been campaigned upon. Liz Truss has never been in that dilemma. But what she's trying to signal in this speech, I think, is when she encounters that dilemma, she is going to stick true to the original core. And perhaps a word of reassurance to the Conservative Party, who knows that she used to be Lib Dem, that she isn't going to do any more political shape-shifting, that she's going to stay true blue. And just on that, Fraser, if Liz Truss does freeze the price cap effectively, would you read that as her 
pivoting, perhaps even going back on what she said during the campaign, or do you think that that could actually align with some of her messaging because you would say it's an emergency stage? I think when it comes to energy, she can do anything politically. I mean, this is such an extraordinary situation. If you look at what's happening all around Europe, governments are considering doing something like this, either capping it or subsidising it or fixing the prices. The, the basic, the normal market rubric has been torn up right now. So I don't think she will be judged a sellout. The difficult point for her will come when somebody's asking her for a 10-15% pay rise and she says no and then she buckles and says yes. If her nerve gives way on these pay negotiations on any one group, that's when all the others will now will follow in and make it very difficult. So there are many scenarios where she simply loses control, either of the government finances or of the markets. And there are so many scenarios that it's, that's why I, 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 I know people who backed her who think that she'll be gone by Easter or by Valentine's Day because they can think of these scenarios. That's can I. Valentine's Day. What a, what a nice time to go. Um, now, James... I was going to say Burns Night, but you know... You need to focus on Burns Night. I don't think it's time to be quitting roles or, being, or having a confidence <laughs> vote. I fully support that. Much more important than Valentine's Day. But back to the agenda, James... When it comes to, obviously, the other big thing, one of several Liz Trust we're doing this week, forming the government. Now, there's been lots of briefings. It seems as though some of the positions are pretty nailed on, actually. But do you think, when it comes to the Rishi backers who are currently in Cabinet, we could see some now jumping before they're pushed? Well, I mean, that that is what happened with Boris Johnson. The whole series of people chose to resign after you know, he won. I mean, Dominic Raab, I don't, I don't think you will see that. Dominic Raab has just said just now, to current Deputy Prime Minister and Justice Secretary, that he does not expect to be in the government. He's not resigning. I mean, I think... Also- he did tell the spectator that he was willing, that it was wrong to assume he would not want to serve. Yeah. The one thing I would say is, I think, given this margin, I think it would be particularly risky to appoint a cabinet basically based on how and when people back Liz Truss in the leadership contest. But that's what she's done. Isn't the cabinet, as we've seen it, it's a list of who bent the knee and when, doesn't it? Um, I, I think that these lists do currently have a certain sense of that to it, right? And that, I think, will cause her a problem because I think one of the things, I, mean, I think all three of us would, would, would agree with this. One of the problems for Boris Johnson, I think, was that because his cabinet from the off was picked on kind of loyalty to Brexit, and a willingness to do a no-deal Brexit, which became seen as a proxy for loyalty to him, it was harder for him to unite the party because you know he, it, it just limited his government's reach into certain sections of the parliamentary party. I mean, I mean, there is always a danger for that with with with, with leaders. Uh, but, and also, James, worse than this was the central criticism of his campaign that he, of his premiership. That he behaved like a president who wanted a government of yes men, who wanted to press a button and tell them to vote how he wanted, whether they understood it or not. And so surely getting rid of him would also mean moving away from that model of government and towards, as Penny Morden put it, less about the leader and more about the ship. Yeah, look, I, I, think, I think we haven't yet seen or whether there's any kind of recalibration of where they're planning to go. I think one of the other big challenges is we've seen a lot. I mean, I, I would say almost, you've seen a lot about how Liz Truss wants to slim down number 10. You know, there are a whole bunch of people in number 10 who have been told to kind of clear their desks that Liz Truss doesn't want, you know, to have a policy unit in the same way that it previously was there and all this. I think that kind of institutional, you know, everyone thinks that moving away from having such a powerful number 10 is a good idea until they actually get into number 10 and see the problems of that. And I think that, that is a potential challenge for her. I think the big other big question is, Lots of people have things that they want to do. I'll take take one 
kind of very specific example. You know, if Suella Bravman is to be Home Secretary, as has been reported for quite some time now, then I think she will be very clear that she thinks that the UK should leave the European Convention on Human Rights, and that's the only way you can deal with the small votes issue. Now, now that, to leave the European Convention on Human Rights, leave aside for a second whether it's a good idea or a bad idea, that is just a massive fight that the government will have to have. And at a time when the government has limited bandwidth, it's trying to deal with this cost-of-living crisis and all this, she will be like, well, actually, I want to get on with that. So how do you, how do you strike a balance between what these ministers want to do and what number 10 want the priorities to be. I think it's also very telling and very interesting that Therese Coffey is now, you know, who I think her position in government, as, as Katie has written, has moved around quite a bit during the campaign. You know, she is one of Liz Truss's closest political allies and you know, she was always going to have a big job, but kind of precisely which job has changed as, as the nature of the challenges facing the Truss government has come. I think it's fascinating that she has now been lined up to be Health Secretary, because I think this is one of the things that we are underpricing. You know, we, we, we spend a lot of time talking about the energy crisis. I think in terms of how the public feel about this government, the NHS crisis that is coming this winter is almost as big a threat, potentially. And I think the, other, and I think the, 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 kind of the, the thing that would worry me the most, if I was Liz Truss, is how much of it has already happened. How much can you actually do other than praying for a mild winter, to try and protect the NHS, given all the problems that have been building up within the NHS system since COVID, or even perhaps in some ways even before COVID, but certainly exacerbated by COVID. And so I think this is, I think the question of how she tries to solve these problems is fascinating. I think it is also interesting that they're having difficulty with the Northern Ireland job, because obviously the protocol is going to be another big challenge for this trust. You know, she was propelled to the to the, the the membership round, the final round, in large part by the support of MPs, for whom the protocol is, is almost a kind of existential issue. They don't mean that Brexit is done until the protocol is fixed. But fixing the protocol is something that would require huge bandwidth from government. And ultimately, to fix the protocol in the way that Liz Truss wants to fix the protocol, it's very hard to see how you don't do that without some kind of retaliation from the EU, because I find it hard to, 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 to see the EU agreeing to what Liz Truss wants to be the outcome of the negotiation. So are you prepared to have a big bust up with the EU during, you know, cost of living crisis, energy crisis, war in Ukraine, everything else? And so I think that question of ultimately governments, I think, have to pick which issues they are going to concentrate on. They don't have limitless bandwidth. And I think the question of what issues she chooses to focus on is going to be absolutely fascinating. And, of course, we'll bring more podcasts as the day, perhaps, but definitely the week goes on. But just finally, Fraser, I wondered, there are Tory MPs who are, frankly, surprised Liz Truss is the next Prime Minister. Um, They thought that she would ultimately self-employ during the leadership contest. You've obviously observed for a long time... Is there anything that you think she will surprise in as Prime Minister? If she holds her nerve, that would, to be frank, be a surprise, uh, because she didn't during the campaign. She had she had the great wobble over regional pay policy, um, she got serious blowback from that, and she decided to drop it immediately, plus sign up to the treble lock pension pledge. Right now, I would say the best thing she's got going for her 
is the fact that so few people think she's going to be a success. I cannot think of a British Prime Minister in modern times who's entered office with expectations as low for them as they are for Liz Truss right now. I mean, even Thatcher, when she came in in 79, a lot of people thought that she was so so mad, so ideological, that she would be gone in two years. But, uh, but, Liz, but at least she won an election, which Liz Truss hasn't done. So right now, it should be relatively easy for Liz Truss to surpass expectations. I mean, if she makes it at Easter, she'll have surpassed some people's expectations. Um, so I do think it ought to be easy for her to surprise us in a positive way. And also, if things are um, if things go very badly, could again could people really describe it as a surprise? I don't really think so. Um, so she has got right now a lot of problems, but her biggest asset is low expectations. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, James. Oh, and Katie, before we wrap up, I should say that we're going to be doing a live coffee house shots. If anybody would like to join us, we're going to be in Westminster with special guest Andrew Neal on Tuesday next week. You can get um, tickets by going to spectator.co.uk forward slash after Boris. So it'd be great to actually see you, physically see you then. Son, I've made a life out of reading people's faces, knowing what the cards were. By the way they held their eyes So if you don't mind my saying I can see you're out of aces For a taste of your whiskey I'll give you some advice So I handed him my bottle